are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Gentlemen and other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by today's panel of Star Trek franchise explorers. Rachel Clow will be with us momentarily, but in the meantime, we've got Tyler Monaghan. You know, Chris, I think it's time you start calling me number one. But good to be here. <laughs> And uh, the unflappable Cicero Holmes. Uh, you know, it's funny you, you say uh, unflappable because Ty stole my joke. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> That's why you didn't uh, say undefeated this time. Right, exactly. That's awesome. Uh, hey, hey, guys. Uh, hey, hey. I'm happy and to be here. we are very happy to be joined once again by Trexpertise's own Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? My calendar says that beheadings are on Wednesday. <laughs> we're, we're a couple <laughs> days off, but it's getting there. We're getting there. I feel it. Uh-huh. Well, um, we're doing okay, keeping the train moving along as we convene today to talk about the third episode of Star Trek Picard's third season. But we also have some franchise news we need to touch on as well as it pertains to the future of the Star Trek franchise on Paramount+. Plus, But before we get into those topics, let's check in with our panel. Ty, let's begin with you. How you doing? Uh, you were getting over uh, a little bit of the phage before, but you're, you're back with us now, which we're thankful for. Um, but I imagine that while you were recuperating, Deep Space Nine might have been a nice thing to accompany you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got the COVID. I avoided it for three years and then I got it. It was dumb. Uh, fortunately, was not too severely impacted by it. That's uh, what you're alluding to there. Uh, but feeling better. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, we are, my wife and I are continuing to barrel through Deep Space Nine. Uh, it is good. Like this, it is on cruise control at this point. Like we're in season four. Worf is here. Uh, like Bashir and O'Brien are friends. We actually just finished uh, maybe an hour before coming on to record this with you. Uh, the two-parter where like Starfleet deploys like troops to the streets on Earth because uh, there's shapeshifters around. And it was crazy and amazing. Uh, like every episode is good. You know, they've introduced like, you know, enough about the cast where they can just combine like any two or three characters and like throw them on a zany adventure together. Uh, like Kira and Gold Dukat was like a recent one. They were like investigating some uh, like prison ship that went missing a long time ago that they both had a connection to. And it's just it, like, uh, like even the episodes that are, we're like, eh, that was like kind of a weak one for this season, but it was still amazing. Right. Like that's the point we're at with this show. So it's, it's so good. We're so impressed. And I have to say, 
the last time I was on, I said something along the lines of how Deep Space Nine was like filling in really like important gaps in the Star Trek uh, like universe and lore for me. And like, boy, did that turn out to be uh, a very prescient comment, which I'm sure we will talk about. But yeah, really, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're definitely going to get into that. But I'm, um, I again, That's I envy anyone that. who can watch that show for the first time again. So you know, keep. Keep it moving because there's a lot to go, but maybe interesting timing now. I'll just I'll leave it at that before we uh, kind progress of unbelievable timing. But yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cicero, my friend, how are things in yes. your world? Uh, um, and they're they're great. Um, I finished Prodigy. All right, and yeah, and oh, uh, you did I yeah. oversell it? Cicero? No, no. Oh no, you did not. You did not. It. It's, I didn't, I never believed that a show on Nickelodeon. So I've never really watched Avatar, much to my shame, The Last Airbender. I've watched some of it, but never in its entirety. I've enjoyed all of it um, that I've seen, but I've just never watched it all. So I have never watched a show that was produced to be aired on Nickelodeon and cared about the stakes the way that I cared about the stakes in Prodigy. So you never watched Legends of the Hidden Temple? <laughs> no, no. You know, it just, it, that narrative just didn't ring true to me. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, it, it I just, it's really, really, really well done. It's really well done. It's great Star Trek. It is exactly what uh kyle said it was last week um but it, uh, man it's so good it's so good hashtag chakotay is in the transporter buffer yes <laughs> excellent uh kyle welcome back sir uh what's Thank new you. in in your neck of the woods how is your engagement with star trek been outside of well i guess watching the new episode i imagine that it's always kind of in the back of your mind in it's always it's always in the back. I'm in the middle of a very terrible Voyager novel right now. Oh. Uh, but as far as watching, uh, just Picard. Uh, but I am watching uh, on Apple TV for All Mankind, which was oh yes, yes. executive produced by Ronald D. Moore. And I kind of feel like it's a Star Trek show. It's just a Star Trek show that takes place in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I'm just like, no one told me. <laughs> it's like the same kind of themes you're exploring space you're being progressive i don't know but it's kind of wild that's cool yeah i've i've heard nothing but good things about that show i haven't watched it yet i think we allowed our apple tv membership to lapse rachel got it for like a year and a half when she bought a new laptop and i think we started watching ted lasso and it was good it was good it's a good show but just kind of lapsed with it, but this might give me a reason to to check back oh, in. Oh man, yeah, least, for all yeah. mankind and Severance, man, you gotta you gotta go oh, back. Severance, oh, okay. is a, you gotta incredible. go back. Severance, yeah, you, you gotta go back. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you know, talk to me after this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for me, I have uh, progressed a little further into the first Strange New Worlds novel, The High Country by John Jackson Miller. Uh, I'm not too deep into it yet, but it's a pretty solid start. We've actually had 
Mr. Miller on the show back when he wrote the Enterprise War. And uh, obviously a longtime Star Trek fan. He's a very experienced writer in multimedia cross comics and prose. And uh, and he's he definitely has a great handle on the characters. And there's quite a fun MacGuffin that gets things going where members of the principal crew find themselves in wildly different situations, but we're led to believe that they're on the same planet and the enterprise is in orbit trying to figure out what the hell is going on and how they can help them. There's some really good sort of dialogue between Hammer and uh, Laon that I greatly enjoy. And I feel like we should have gotten more from that duo in the show, but time has passed. It actually takes place, <laughs> I believe between episodes nine and 10, this novel does. So it's first season, Strange New Worlds, and it's pretty solid so far. So I definitely encourage people to to check it out. And um, I think I mentioned last time, you know, uh, Strange New Worlds season one coming on 4K Blu-ray, and I'm still looking forward to that in the TNG movies. Um, most of my extraplanetary voyaging has been on the surface of Talon 4 in Metroid Prime Remastered, and I am greatly enjoying diving into like yeah like my favorite game maybe ever so yes, big uh big big joy there i was very happy for that to to come across but um in terms of a news item let's jump into that first because we heard uh some bittersweet news pretty recently so let's uh jump over <laughs> So it's official. Star Trek Discovery will end with season five as announced, well, everywhere. Um, It's going to come to a conclusion and that uh, season is slated to air sometime early next year. According to the story that broke the news in The Hollywood Reporter, sources say principal filming of the season is mostly complete. But with this move to end the show, there will be additional filming to help craft a conclusion to the series. So that was kind of something that I was curious about since I thought the season was finished. Uh, why are we waiting a year? Well, now we know they are actually going to be uh, tacking some additional material on to serve as a definitive conclusion for the series going forward. Um, in February, there was a, uh, an earnings call from Paramount uh, and in a report from a report from Reuters, it said Paramount plus raked in 9.9 million new subscribers for the quarter ended December 31st. But the direct-to-consumer unit continues to grapple with losses due to huge investments in content. What a shock. Every company that has a streaming service is saying that it's too expensive to produce all of this stuff and they're not getting enough money from revenue. But let's get away from capitalist land for a second now and and talk about actual uh, Star Trek. So this is obviously bittersweet news, I think, for Star Trek fandom at large. And I would argue even for those who don't necessarily like the show – because, and it, of course, it has a lot of meaning for the panel here. Uh, this was the show that kicked off this whole new era of the franchise. And of course, this is also the show that brought us all together and gave us our name. Um, I'd like to go around the panel and just get some reactions to this new Cicero. Why don't you start us off? You've been with this show from the beginning. Obviously, it's because of Star Trek Discovery. Discovery, maybe credit, you, you, you might be able to credit the show with a greater awakening as a Star Trek fan, if I may be so bold. But uh, what's your reaction to all of this? Uh, it, you know what? All good things, right? Uh, this is all of the things that you said about that show are are true, and um, it will obviously hold a fond place in my heart, not only for 
what it did on screen, but what it did for me personally um, with this show. Um, but I'm happy it's happening, right? I'm happy that this is it. This is their, their, they've decided that season five will be the end and they're able to craft a, a farewell for, for everyone. Um, because I don't know that I could have endured another season where the stakes got even higher. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, figured out a way to have them legitimize why they needed to be that high. Um, and, you know, and instead of why didn't get a chance to meet and, and know more of the crew, the way that I know the crew of strange new worlds of, of, of the enterprise in strange new worlds. So like, it's done. Let's, you know, we're, we're finishing it up. We're going to get our ending. I'm really happy about that. Um, and, uh, and I can just love full stop discovery as opposed to, Ooh, you know, game of Thrones in it, right? Like, (laughs) Oh, those first five seasons, right. And then yeah. it just, uh, you know, but I really, uh, but I, ooh, yeah, no, you know, I can just say discovery. Oh, I love you. I miss you. Yeah. And, right. and that's it. Sure, man. No, I, I totally understand. Ty, you have been um, pretty effusive in your praise of discovery in the past. Um, and obviously, you know, you're jumping into the Star Trek franchise with this era. That was the flagship show arguably still is. Um, how do you take this news? Yeah. So it's funny. I was actually just thinking about it. Like I watched the first two episodes, like Cicero, you shared the first two episodes with me when I came over to your place and I was like, Oh, I got to get CBS all access. And I like <laughs> bought, like I bought like my dad, like I think I've, I've talked about how like I used to watch TNG, like my, when my dad was watching it and I was like a little, I was like a kid and I would, you know, kind of be watching it with him, but I would get bored halfway through. Like I bought him like the Blu-ray of uh, the first season of Disco or something like that. Um, and, and like, yeah, I think it's fair to say like that definitely kickstarted, uh, you know, uh, my own personal love of Star Trek again too. Um you know, but like, I love an ending. Uh, it's kind of a shame to not see it go like seven seasons would have been cool. Right. Cause so many of those shows went for like seven seasons, but also like these seasons are half as long in terms of the number of episodes as like the, the kind of like classic three that I think of, you know, like TNG Voyager deep space nine. Um, so you know, I don't know. There's no point in comparing it. Like the shows are totally different. The production values are totally different. The production schedules are totally different. Uh, and I, I think I, yeah, sister said it pretty well. Like it's, it's fine to have an ending. Uh, it almost would have been nice to know ahead of time and be able to write the whole 
happen around that. Uh, I'm kind of worried there's just going to be some like <laughs> lens flare or something right. uh, <laughs> like a uh, reunion Fair. on the bridge scene or something tacked on. But, you know, it's it's like and I do like it, it is nice to know as a fan going into a season, right, that it's going to be the last rather than finding out in the off season like, oh, that show isn't coming back. So. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Cicero said it well. Uh, I'll miss you, Discovery. Uh, looking forward to the final season. Yeah, sure. All right. I'm Pucci, and I have flown off to space. I have to go now. <laughs> and, and here's and Rachel's here. So, hello, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Uh, Kyle, I know you have rather complicated feelings about Discovery, but I, I can't imagine that you were necessarily rooting for the show to end. How do you take this news uh, in wide context with the entire franchise here? I I think it's a good thing. I It's not my favorite Star Trek outing, um, but I don't think it deserved to be canceled if that's what... like I, I see some of the chatter online like, finally, it's dead. I'm like, no, no, no. Star Trek Discovery did a lot of things really great and it was part of the a brand new resurgence and it deserved to have its time and i think finding a a beautiful ending point a pre-planned ending point is the best thing you can do at any point in the show and it, it's only five seasons but um it's probably got to be seven years of production i think that counts right. you know if we're talking about seven years for the other for the other classic shows like i think right. Discovery's been it debuted in 2017, so and they're probably working on it more than a year before then. So, like they've those some of those guys have been in that trench for nearly a decade. Well, don't you all feel like narratively, it also feels like it's covered just a ton of ground with between like the connections right. to strange new worlds and the time right. jump. Like it, it really feels like they've gotten to tell a big story yeah. to me. Right? Yeah, they've taken uh, Discovery has taken quite a few risks and some of those risks have paid off. Like I, I love the visual of it and it is the visual language that they're using in strange new worlds and Picard. Um, some of these characters are excellent. I love the representational things that they're doing with the new, some of the newer characters in the last couple of seasons. I think going 900 years in the future is bonkers, right. even for this franchise. Right. And, you know, having, and, and when my favorite character, Ensign Waterbear, I mean, <laughs> you can't, the, nothing about Discovery was timid. And I, even as a, someone who's kind of lukewarm on the overall experience of it, I appreciate that. And I do not root for its downfall. I would love for the final season to be as the best thing that they can do. And I want to see really great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well said. Hopefully a, a cameo from Ensign Waterbear sometime <laughs> in there. A prime Lorca. Oh man! Yes, where uh, the hell is still banging the drum? Last time we see Owo, I mean, some great characters <laughs> in this show. Got to well, He could show up in Stranger yeah. Worlds. I'd be down with that too. But Rachel, how do you react to the news that Discovery is coming to a definitive end? Well, I feel a little bit guilty because I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, well, we have so, a year to to get you caught up. Right, I know, but I'm like, did I contribute? to this <laughs> and not watching it i like oh no that I, day one cbs all access account didn't check into season four episode seven shut it down yes rachel <laughs> paramount plus has strong words for you um but so you know i don't i have no idea if they're in a place in the story where it's good to end but you know um 
<laughs> it'll be it'll be nice to watch it all as one sort of package. I sure. think yeah. that that will be good. And also, yes, Ensign Water Bear. I actually, uh, for those who don't know, I am a scientist. And at work, I went to a seminar about tardigrades for the sole reason that I had seen them in Discovery. And I saw a poster and I was like, tardigrades, what's up with them? And I was like, I guess I'm going to this. Did you, did you, at any, were you like sitting in the back row and like look over at like somebody else at some point and like realize that both of you were clearly there because you had watched Discovery? Like, <laughs> alas, this was in the era of Zoom. Uh, some oh, oh, yeah. I contact with anyone else in the audience, but it, there's um, probably like a really nice demographic graph of tardigrade scientists. And there's a spike in 2017. You know, that's, that's actually something that we, that we don't mention or we haven't mentioned when we're talking about discovery and that's, and that's COVID. Right. Sure. Um, the, the fact that, like like everything, like all shows during that time period, they had to figure out how to do it all again, right? And and you know, in in safe ways. And then some of the stories that they may have proposed probably weren't going to you know hit the same post post pandemic as they would have pre pandemic, um, and and. You know, it it was almost like they had seven seasons because it was seven years. Yeah. It'll be seven years between uh, the beginning of season one and the end of season five, um, and mm-hmm. part of a, a lot of that has to do with with the pandemic. Well, let sure. me ask you guys this because I know Chris is going to tell us uh, what he thinks about Discovery, but like, so Enterprise was not well received at the time. But right. there's a bit of a resurgence. People are appreciating it. It is like a fine grape wine. Um, it's like a juice box that's aged well. Um, <laughs> uh, that's food reference number one. But yeah. 10 years from now, in 2032 or three or whatever, where the, the hell, what one thing about Discovery will stand out as a short reference, shorthand reference for that, for this show? Uh, like to me personally or like yeah when you think of TOS those the the uniforms the kind of camp about it when you think of TNG you get Captain Picard's bald like what is going to stand out about Discovery uh, to a fan to a new fan uh, 10 years from now don't you bow before your emperor right (laughs) I think she has a big, especially considering her career resurgence. Oh man! Uh, very recently, um, I think it's going to be hard, especially in the the succeeding years, to separate Michelle Yeoh from her time on Discovery, mm-hmm. uh, especially among fans. Um, and I think that she was generally well regarded with with both of the characters that she played. Um, for me, it's going to be Lorca, even though he was only in the first season, like he set the tone and definitely I, I, I gravitated toward that character in a way that I wasn't expecting and was, I guess a little disappointed that he couldn't be a product of the prime universe, but if they're going to go to the mirror universe, they did it in an interesting way. I thought 
Zachy, if he were here, would probably have a very different opinion. <laughs> but um, I think that first season for me, that's what I'm going to think about in the in the succeeding years. And of course, backdoor pilot for Strange New Worlds. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think that's honestly what in 10 years I might remember the most is that's where we were introduced to Pike and different Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and different Pike. Yeah, Tall glass sure. of Starfleet like, is what Anson Mount is. Yeah. I think it's uh, this coin where uh, one side is what you just talked about, the backdoor pilot part with these strange new world characters. But the other part is uh, Michael, like this black woman sitting in the captain's chair and like, it's like radical love and empathy. It's like, okay, remember captain planet. And there was like the heart ranger (laughs) or whatever. Like that's, that's Michael Burnham. Like she's just like heart. And you're like, what, how is this going to work? But then she just like, does it like really, really hard. And it does work somehow. And like, you know, we've, we've talked funny on the show. Many words have been said about how they took that a bit too far at times, but that like, is going to be the image for me, right? Like the caricature, like what you just said, like when I think of TNG, it's right, like Jean-Luc Picard and his bald head, like saying engage and like, you know, uh, and, and for Discovery, it's Michael Burnham sitting on that chair and just like her heart is like, like uh, in the Grinch, it's like bursting out of its box and, <laughs> and like her enemies are cowering before it, you know? That's, she that's is an I'm almost thinking. militant believer in peace. Like she's almost yeah. like right. 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 Throw a DC Comics reference in. I mean, she is kind of like the Wonder Woman of the Star Trek universe. That's how they huh. built her, and and I I do appreciate that a lot. And I think that she brings. I actually really enjoy the the wrinkles that she adds to the existing mythology. I know a lot of people were really turned off by that, but the episode in season one where you see Sarek decide to actually put Spock forward for the Vulcan science Academy. That kind of answered a question I had in journey to Babel about why are they like off on the wrong foot for so long? What was it that, that put these guys against each other for so long and where they wouldn't speak to, to each other as father and son. And that kind of provides an answer and there's more to it, of course. But um, in addition to her attachments to existing characters, she has an interesting story herself too. And navigating again, you know, in that first season, navigating the the hard dynamics between peace and war, and how she continued to rather militantly express a belief in the Federation's idealism is something that I do really appreciate from her. So, so I, I think I think for me, Kyle, it people would say, "Oh, this was a show about Spock's sister." And, you know, uh, and her misadventures on, on a starship or whatever. Um, but I would think about, about it as that Michael was, yeah, she was Spock's sister, but she was really uh, Saru's sister. Mm-hmm. And, and the, sibling, the sibling relationship between Saru and Michael Burnham mm-hmm. um, was was more of what what I take away. Like I take away all the things that everybody else said. Right, um, I love Lorca. Right, uh, uh, Lorca, Lorca made the first half of season one brilliant. Right, and then 
you found out why he was so complex. It was because he was tamping down his, you know, his his mirror universeness. Um, and it was like, all right, it's still cool, but like, uh, um, but like for me, it's still about Saru and Michael and and their sibling, you know, their sibling like rivalry, their relationship, the all of that together um throughout the seasons. Um and and yeah, the love between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're gonna have a lot of time over the next year to say goodbye to Discovery. Um, but I think that's a good go around. A uh, lot more to be said, I'm sure, in the weeks, months to come. But uh, let's pour one out this evening for, for Star Trek Discovery. Well, let's move along to the reason that we're here, which is our discussion about Episode 3 of Star Trek Picard Season 3. 17 seconds. So as usual, the episode summary comes from the fine editors over at Wikipedia who are perfect in condensing these episodes into digestible conversation chunks for our purposes. And of course, the original summaries are somewhat augmented, no pun intended, by yours truly. So let's begin. The Shrike attacks the Titan, injuring Captain Shaw, who, in an apparent show of determined annoyance, transfers command of the ship to Captain Riker. Meanwhile, in sickbay, Beverly explains that she did not tell Picard about Jack to keep their son safe from the dangerous lifestyle that seems to follow Jean-Luc everywhere he goes. So just as a quick aside, the shore leave that Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher took on Casparia Prime, which was a planet first mentioned in the sixth season of DS9, would have taken place sometime in the early 2380s, probably just a couple of years after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. And it would also have been, you know, within a stone's throw of distance between or the birth of Thaddeus Riker, which we know happened in 2381. So, there was a lot to this discussion between Picard and Beverly, and it needed to fit a lot uh, in order to give something of a resolution of the events that led to Jack's birth and, you know, the 20 years imposed exile that she seemed to throw herself into away from her, uh, her close comrades. How did the reasoning from the dancing doctor land with everybody? Uh, Rachel, let's start with you. Um, I was kind of on Picard's side on this, where I felt like I agreed with him that he had a right to know and he might have like changed his lifestyle given that information. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have. I I don't, I, I can't say, but I just, I'm not sure it's ethical to, I mean, at least, you know, send him a text, <laughs> like BRB and pregnant. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> like, I don't know if you want to have that conversation about how I feel it's too dangerous for you to be um, around our child or something like that. I don't know, but I just I'm not sure that it is super ethical to like not tell the father of your child that your child exists unless he is you know like a murderer who will come murder your child right yeah but, sure. yeah, but he is not that and yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Kyle, what were the implications of this discussion between them for you? Because I imagine that you were probably trying to do the, the math in your head about exactly when this could have happened and wait, the actor is 34, but we're like 20 years removed. Like did, did that stuff trip you up? Did the dramatic reasoning on besides that pay off for you? Uh, the conversation worked for me. Did the reasoning work for me or did the fact that old people liked a bone work for me? No, no, no. I mean, I assume, look, look, worked for me. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just curious if, um, you get tripped up because I do. And I think it's a shortcoming. I get tripped up in thinking about the continuity mechanics of things. Oh no, 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 then, I don't. Okay. All right, a, a, because Star Trek is like filled to the brim with continuity miss mechanics sure yes but also because i bought the emotion of the scene like uh i didn't like last week's episode that much this week we got a lot of character stuff happening and it be and it really began with this scene between picard and crusher and i felt like i really felt like uh these two characters hadn't seen each other in a while and they had beef and i i kind of bought beverly's reasoning i bought johnny picard's reasoning as well i felt like I felt like there was some substance to each of them and the fact that they were battling it out felt so strong that I, I don't know what year it is. I don't know what waterfall they're talking about. I love, I love the kind of like subtle retconning uh, that was going on. It was kind of like in Star Trek two, you, you realize that not only is Kirk a father, that his son has grown, but that he, he and the wife or girlfriend split. And you're like, this is all like sudden. And yeah. I feel like, you know, we got some insight into Picard's life during the era after the enterprise E with the Romulan diaspora and being held for hostage for nine days. And I was like, Whoa, this is incredible. There's so much here. I mean, someone's going to write a novel about all this stuff. So no, no, I, I didn't, I wasn't counting years. It just, it, it was emotionally satisfying to watch. So all the mechanics took a second, a back seat for me. Sure. Yeah. The honestly, the thing that just bugs me is that the actor is thirty-four. That's the thing that, and I shouldn't have looked up how old he is. Then I probably wouldn't have cared. But now I'm just like, what? But, I mean, he's clearly not twenty, but nobody. No, I, I'm, I know. I'm not convinced he's actually human, but we can get to that. Oh, well, hey, all right. Look, this is just me being, you know. <laughs> that, that's what's going on here. It's nothing more than that. Um, Ty, how did this connect with you? Especially, you know, you have a pretty big affinity for the TNG characters, and I imagine these two in particular. Yeah, uh, it was a very well acted scene. Like, I loved the performance. Like uh, Kyle mentioned, like you could feel the beef between these two characters. That super long pause before either of them starts talking, um, I thought it was like just wonderful uh, from a performance standpoint, and you could just feel. Picard is like, no, like you owe me an explanation. Right. And eventually she's like, yeah, I, I owe you an explanation. Uh, so anyway, I loved the performance. Uh, I guess like bottom line for me, like, I just, ah, uh, I like, is this what we're doing now? Like, you know, like we're talking about whether she should have given him a chance to be a father. Like, I don't, that's not an aspect of Jean-Luc Picard's character that I like can bring myself to like 
care about honestly or like find plausible like i found his his performance when he was saying like you didn't have the right to take away that decision from me like compelling but like come on john luke like you know she just told like she said herself beverly says herself like when when the stars come calling for him it's not a curse it's like he loves it and it's just like i i just I don't know. I feel like so much of the every. I, I'm not one of these guys that's like, hey, this is who Picard is. You can't change who Picard is, right? Like it's their character now. Like Patrick Stewart's into it. Like that's all cool. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to work for me, but like it doesn't. It just doesn't super work for me. Like everything I've learned to care about Jean Luc Picard, I felt like he should have been arguing that like, hey, it doesn't matter who this kid is genetic wise. Like our course of action as Starfleet officers, as human beings, has to be the same and and it was the opposite of that and instead it was like oh he's this kid like turn the ship around and i, I just I, you know i don't know it was a great performance but like is this what we're this is what we're doing now uh, okay i understand yeah cicero you are you are nodding aggressively is that is that your perspective as well no it's not my perspective at all but i i appreciate <laughs> ty's perspective um because I completely understand where he's going with it, right? Like I, I get it. Uh, but I, but I love the scene. I bought the scene. Like Rachel, I'm Team Picard. But, um, but Kyle and Ty both made great arguments for Beverly's point of view, and and yeah, I can understand that, right? Because I think. The only thing worse than Jean-Luc Picard not getting a choice in how he was going to parent is Jean-Luc Picard being an absentee dad. Yeah. Right? Hello, Jim Kirk. And <laughs> Right, right, right. But but worse you could you could see Jim Kirk being an absentee dad, right? Because he's he's kind of a cowboy. Well, hey uh, now, I uh, not, meaning meaning if if you were meaning if you were to if you were to to say of the first three captains we've seen on TV, right? Who who amongst them would be an absentee dad? Jim Kirk, uh, John Luke Picard, or Benjamin Sisko? Jim Kirk is he's got one hundred and three percent of that vote, right? Yeah, it's you, like, you want to compare them to those guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so the the thought of 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 Jean Luc Picard having a da- having a kid and him not being a great dad is probably worse in the eyes of a fan. At least it's worse in my eyes than um, than him finding out later on that he had a kid and not having the chance to disappoint his son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I believe him when when he said that if he had known about it he probably would have changed because like he's not he's a guy who's like f- so filled with conviction like he would do it he would raise the kid out of the conviction of it not just the love of the kid it's like this is the right thing to do I'm gonna do it you know <laughs> yeah can I also say too yeah. just real quickly as like a as like a more direct answer to your question like after watching the scene with my wife uh, and I should say but like to contextualize all of this both of us are like 
you know, conscientious objectors to the whole like having children ourselves thing. We interpret this whole scene, right? But I was, I, I turned to her and I was totally like, yeah, he's he's completely right. And then a couple more lines of dialogue go by and she's like, yeah, well, she's got a point too. And I did not agree with her at all at that point. So there was like even some disagreement on the couch uh, in interpreting. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, t- we'll tell you what, say that she told him. Is she right though? Would someone kidnap him to get to Picard or blow him up with a grenade or assassination tip? Would, would his life actually right. be in danger? Yes. Probably. Yeah, yeah. And and would would if the universe came calling, would Picard answer the call gleefully? I mean, you look over the seven seasons of TNG, and you know, granted, they're on the Enterprise E by this point. But let's say that the Enterprise D was not destroyed by the Duras sisters, and that's the ship they're on. I mean, kids got in a lot of danger over those seven years, like more than they probably should. I'm watching TNG right now, and yeah. I since becoming a mom, I have a lot of trouble watching stuff when kids are like in peril. Yeah, sure. And there are some episodes I just straight up can't watch, like when those people kidnap all the kids off the. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there there were a few instances like that, or you know, when Captain Picard broke his leg and he had to rely on right. children to go up a, a, a turbo shaft, and was it was charming, but it was also horrifying in its own way. But I guess the thing that I like about just it was all Captain of this, Picard Day. Yeah, gives a whole new meaning to that. Um, But the thing that I like about this is that it follows up on something that we do know is a source of his insecurity because of generations. You know, Mm -hmm. the the idea of not having some kind of legacy because his family is very important to him, and the idea of the of him being the end of the line did cause him quite a lot of turmoil. Uh, obviously, you know, when we saw that when he was at a, a very vulnerable place, he had just lost his brother and his nephew. So it's not like he was operating on all cylinders, but I do think that that was, um, that's probably the most value, honestly, that I get from generations when I rewatch it is that wrinkle to him specifically. So having this follow up, uh, an insecurity like that helps this to feel like a more legitimate conclusion for this crew, even at this stage to me, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Still a lot of time, still a lot of time. And maybe Jack's not even human. Who knows? But, uh, well, let's move along with the plot. So, um, the Titan attempts to escape the nebula, but is cornered by the Shrike using portal technology. Picard advises, advises Riker to lure the Shrike into a trap, but Riker instead wants to prioritize saving the crew and sneak out of the nebula while the Shrike deals with obfuscated sensors. So the thing that I'm most curious about with this point, this is probably the thing that feels the most contrived out of an episode that is generally very solid, I think. But manufacturing a conflict between Picard and Riker in this instance kind of feels forced to me. Um, how do you guys feel about it? Kyle, you're, you're nodding at me. Um, it feels totally contrived. These guys have been on the bridge of a starship for decades together. 
and we've seen them argue. It doesn't look like that. Yeah. If they're trying to say that the kid or Riker's lost kid and the new Jack Crusher kind of heighten things, I, I don't buy it. These guys can have a disagreement. They have, we've seen what that looks like. It's enough to, for me to believe that Riker's a changeling. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him under the bus. Yeah, get, get your phasers out. Where's the blood screens? Um, Cicero, how about you? This uh, this sort of conflict between Captain Riker and Admiral Picard. Uh, yeah, this is like uh, Elon Musk hair cream. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I bet you can eat that. I think that counts as a food reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crunchy. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, it. Uh, <clears throat> Like Kyle said, um, you know, we we know what these guys sound like when they argue. This is this was really contrived. Uh, The the ridiculousness. The like so so Picard is like, hey, we need to fight. We need to fight. We need to fight. And and Rank is like, nah, son. Like, let's relax for a second, right? We, you know, we got to get these people out of here. Then it's like, well, we have no other choice but to fight. Yeah, we kind of, we kind of don't have another choice but to fight. Uh, what should we do? Hey, I'll come up with an idea. Uh, let's shoot everything that we have at them, even though they got this portal thing. Eh, all right. Oh, we got injured by our own torpedoes, which was cool, by the hey, way. Hey, right, it was cool. Hey, uh, Picard, it's your fault. Get out of my face. W- what? Yeah. Right? Like, you killed us all. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, in front of the crew, too. Like, the helmsmen right. are like, really? This is how we're going yeah. down? These old guys are <laughs> arguing each other? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> picked, a, picked a great day to skip leg day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. I'm, ugh. You're, you're, and, you know. and the other side of that is Picard is so like we gotta shoot him. I'm like, right? Yeah. Are you really yeah. that guy? I don't understand. Right. That that seems a little strange coming from him in particular. Yeah. Uh, Ty, how about you? Yeah, it was bad. Uh, yeah, it, it was like watching Nancy and Chuck, like like taking the phone call. It's like, yeah, there's people on the wall. Okay, but let's see what we can do here, right? It was supposed to be. It felt like you were just supposed to think Picard was right because the show is called Picard. But I think what you were, what they were trying to do was like Riker was bringing this. Um, inability to protect his son in the past into the situation right and and exhibiting like that's what was supposed to be happening narratively was was Riker was bringing that level of caution because he was kind of being overprotective on Picard's behalf like am, am I whether that worked for you or not did you feel like uh, that was what they were intending or was it really just like these two guys are arguing and because I really don't know narratively how you were supposed to feel about did, their, their bickering. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't connect it to that. I wish I wish I had. That might have been something right. to hang right. your head on. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, if you were able to glean glean that from that, then thank you. But, okay. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tried. The other thing I just want to point out, <laughs> this episode, it was called 17 seconds, which alludes to, uh, right? Like the, that turbo lift, right? the turbo lift when you have the bad news and you're headed down to sick bay slash infirmary slash medical bay slash you know depending on which ship slash star station med bay in the uh, kelvin you're on. But like <laughs> i just don't think it's a good like I just, this is like gonna come off as really pedantic and obnoxious but like it's also the same name as like a cure album and like a book that the chicago blackhawks sold because that was the amount of time between two goals when they won a stanley cup one time and it's just like I just think you should Google the name that you want to call your episode <laughs> before you call your episode that and like see like, oh, like these other two huge things come up. Like maybe that's, let's call it 18 seconds. So you're saying next week's episode, which is uh, the Holocaust of Captain Shaw, that's probably a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, this conflict between between your daddies, you know. I can't say anything that they haven't already said. It right. was pretty weird and bad. Like that's right. that's kind of my standard line when something is weird and bad. Yeah, yeah, and, but I think you're onto something considering the framing device that was used for this episode. You know, no, the, that was not clear. You don't like, think so? I mean, I'm glad that Ty was able to get that out of it. Like that. Um, maybe Riker's having a thing because of his son or whatever, but oh, like if that's what they intended, I don't think that they conveyed, the writers conveyed that that was what was going on very clearly. And that, that, that's fair. I mean, that, but that may have been their intention, you know, well, whether or not it landed is a whole other question entirely. And I'm probably inclined to agree with you, but I mean, the flashback itself, we didn't mention that because that was the thing that opened up the, the show and it was, I think it's only the second instance that we've seen de-aging in modern Star Trek. It yeah. wasn't bad. It wasn't but bad, but yeah. It, it was a lighter touch than we have seen in other spacefaring franchises, I'll say. Oh yeah. yeah. I also don't think that flashback worked. Like I thought that should just have been a line of dialogue from Riker and Picard in the hallway. After Picard leaves the the med bay area, whatever you want to call it. Um he talks to Riker br- briefly and there's a whole like it's irre- irreconcilable or whatever comment. Like that's the moment that Riker should have jumped in with that. I think because sure. I don't know that flashback was weird. Yeah. kind of. It's, it's the best DH Patrick Stewart we've ever seen. Sure. Right. <laughs> than, uh, X-Men, X-Men the last stand. Yeah. yeah that was, right. that was in its I'm infancy. Glad you, I'm glad you said that Kyle. I thought that flashback and then, and then the call from like the hairy like <laughs> white right. like, so up, why did up, what, what? Like, this is know, the right. Flintstones? Lady, this is the 25th century. This we're, this trope is supposed to be dead by now. Hire an, uh, um, a holographic nanny and get over it. <laughs> the more things change, Kyle. Oh my gosh, the man. That, yeah. like the that appears to be untouched by the whole like modern utopia because like. I, this is what I was alluding to earlier. I just don't understand how, like Picard said to Laris, yeah, try is the operative word, right? Like we did not have, but then it turns out you guys had unprotected sex and like, you didn't like, come on. By the way, by the way, new fanfic opportunity, Picard, Crusher, Waterfall. I want (laughs) to see it within the year. (laughs) 
I mean, it's, it's, up it's by like probably 100%. somewhere. I, it's not even. Is that a water bear peeking out from the waterfall? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag peeking, yeah. Notorious. Yeah. There's already a pill in real life. You're telling me there's not a Plan C hypo spray that you could just get. I feel like that does make Beverly's decision like more insidious. More of a positive decision, I feel like. To whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that does raise a little bit of a thorny question. In Deep Space Nine, they mentioned that their form of contraception is monthly injections, and both of you have to have them, right? Or like because Cisco and And Cassidy, Cassidy have enough. Sorry, spoiler alert, fam. Sorry, sorry. 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 Um, there's something happens, and uh, <laughs> see, the, see, so they have it, monthly injections for their contraception. So if you skipped your monthly injection, you could have uh, like an unplanned pregnancy, I guess. A happy accident, you yeah. might say. When an emissary and a woman love each other very much, you see. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Let's let's uh, let's move along uh, with the plot here. So um, Jack and Seven deduce that Vatic is tracking a gas leak on the Titan and find an ensign sabotaging the ship. Jack attempts to fight the officer, but when he throws a punch at his face, the face pulses and moves. The saboteur knocks Jack out and leaves him for dead. So the episode summary here glosses over the information that actually helped Jack think of the main problem, which was Captain Shaw's flabbergasted insistence in sickbay that something is telegraphing the Titan's location to the Shrike. So this is, we'll get to the identity of the attacker shortly, I promise you. But I want to talk about Captain Shaw because it seems like He's done a lot of growing over three episodes. Like I'm, I'm surprised at how well defined he appears to be at this point. And I'm just curious if you guys have that perspective on him too, Cicero. He is uh, a guy that you have to continue to pay attention to, um, and uh, it seems like every season of Picard, they find a character that. Uh, they introduce for that season that is kind of almost like irresponsibly important to the, (laughs) to the, to like the narrative and the season and this crew and has nothing really to do with the villain or the arc or anything like that. They're just, something else that is inserted into the season. And this person seems like they are just absolutely essential to the well-being of the crew, but then they disappear at the end of that season. Um, and, and that's, that is who captain Shaw is for this season of Picard. Duh. I don't know why I didn't see it before. Yeah. All right. This is, this is, uh, um, you know, Allison Pill from last season, right? This is uh well actually is Allison Pill and and um uh uh, uh what was what was uh the the uh the kid's name that wound up I mean the Romulan oh, kid? 
a Romulan kid. Yeah, Elnor. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, oh, this guy's gonna be around forever. He's awesome. Yeah, no, he's gotta go. He's gotta go. Right? You know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's cutting show. That's probably fair. Yeah, Ty, how about you? How how we didn't get to talk to you about last week's interactions with Captain Shaw. So how do you think yeah. he uh is developing? Uh, I would agree with your take. Uh, you know, he's a he's a wily veteran. He's a gamer. You know, he plays big minutes. You got to watch him. So he's a captain to watch uh, for sure. I did not understand. Like, I just thought the whole like we're gonna crack the case. Like, we've got two. You know, we've got what like eighty years of Starfleet bridge experience, like on the bridge, but we're gonna crack the case. Because, like, the connection between Jack and Seven was neat, right? But, like, we got there because the captain who, like, got hurt in a console explosion, like, whispered a thing to this guy that he doesn't even, like, he wishes wasn't even there and is in danger to pull through, <laughs> like, because he was raving, like, because he was losing blood or something. Like, it was just, like, that fit together a little too neatly in a way that didn't. <laughs> it's kind of just defined space peril but, uh, makes strange bedfellows tie it just does yeah. Yeah. did you hear about the tardigrade um, crew member on the discovery yeah. <laughs> uh yeah kyle what do, what do you make of captain shaw after this week i like him i think he's interesting uh we were wondering at first if he was going to be like edward jellico or if he was just going to be like a by the books guy that was just so hard on the numbers, but I think there's something else going with going on with them. I think there's a th- wolf three, five, nine connection, but I also think like he's a particular kind of guy. And I kind of like, I don't like generic characters that are all tropey. You can't say he fits neatly into a box. I think he kind of sticks out. He's his own person. He's his own character and he's milking it. And it does say something that he's both pissed that Picard is on his ship and that he's so dedicated to making sure his ship functions that he's bleeding out on the table and telling the net nearest human being, like, please, you know, what's going on? Help my crew or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think he's interesting. I don't, I don't think it's wise to discount him as a, as a character just yet. I think he's going to do a couple of things for the show uh, that will be interesting. Yeah, excellent. Rachel, how are you enjoying Captain Shaw, especially now? I mean, what did he do this episode? He just... He gave command of the Titan to Riker. Yeah, but then he got, like, squished. Spaced. Yeah, he got internal bleated. Yeah. Pretty bad. He got he got cut in half pretty bad. <laughs> so... And, and he whispered at... Uh, yeah, he's, how, how did they find us? Yeah. Just, like, this determination through the internal bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, do you like him? Yeah, I like him. I don't think he did much this episode. But. Well, no, but he did enough to make me like him more. I'll well, say that. That's good, yeah. But, you know. It was pretty brutal when he got... Uh, yeah. 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 Bones like, sticking oh, out of his leg. He's, he's looking yeah, at Riker and blaming him. <laughs> this is on you. <laughs> we don't normally... So your punishment is, you're the captain now. <laughs> But um, we don't normally see compound fractures in Star Trek. That's more of a Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers kind of a kind of a Ooh. thing. Ooh, there's, yeah. a, there's yeah. the Star the Trek way, movie we, we deserve. 
There you the go. way that yeah. he did it was alarmingly petty, but I will say, like, stopping <laughs> being an obstacle for Riker and Picard and instead turning over command of your starship to them is usually a way to, like, you know, kind of go up in in my estimation uh, as a character. Like, I tend to like you more. No, we're not even going to the place where the story of the show is happening. <laughs> Dad gave the the keys to the car to the cool uncle and the yeah. wacky grandpa, and right. <laughs> <laughs> but he did it. Yeah, so, he did it in a Doctor Pulaski sort of way. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I I I kind of disagree with Rachel though about how he wasn't really that like he didn't do much um, because I think he was he he moved the plot along right. He was the guy who gave Jack the he was the guy who gave Jack the inspiration to think about, you know, the other thing that allowed him to almost die so the other thing could happen. Right? Like he he was he was like the domino in this Rube Goldberg machine that it was this plot for this episode. Now that is the best description of Starfleet I've ever heard. <laughs> the Rube Goldberg machine. At one end there's Borg, at the other end there's Jim Kirk. Right. The most boring part of a Rube Goldberg machine is the person that pushes the button to start it all off. And that's what Shrag Roll was. There's nothing. Uh, literally, his contribution was, how are they finding us? Nobody else thought to ask this. No. That's the why only person, right. right. The only person with the clarity to do that was Look, internally bleeding. You, you can't be a captain unless you know how to ask questions. That's what those right. husbands aren't asking questions. Right. What does God need with a starship? Captain material. Part of writing on TV is that you can't really have people thinking, and so we had Shaw saying out loud what um, Jack Crusher, I keep wanting to just call him Picard's son, uh, Picard's son <laughs> um, was, was thinking inside, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think there is something that's a little poetic, though, about him confiding that to Jack and then Jack taking it and putting the idea into action. I like that. Personally. The question is, why isn't... He was pissed and yelled it in his general direction, sure, through pained internal bleeding, but... Well, well, Jack Jack also made contact with him and said, I'm sorry, sir. Like, you know... Yeah, like... So he acknowledged that this is his responsibility. They shared a moment. It seemed like Shaw understood that and instead of saying "get out of my face," he said something useful. You know, right. that's that's all. But uh, well, we got we got a lot more um, plot. But before, right before we jump into the next part, I just want to ask: so Jack socks the ensign in the jaw, right? We see the face. What were your guys' immediate reactions? What were your guesses? Did you have any? No guess. He wasn't human. That's as far as I got. Sure. Anybody else? Uh, Changeling. You knew? You you guessed Changeling. Changeling. Yeah, Changeling. I did not guess that. Not in a million years would I have guessed that. Yeah, Changeling. Because because not only did he do that, but he also showed superhuman strength. Yeah. Right? So it was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Like, we just got Worf, you know? Boom, Changeling. Enter DS9. 
I was with Kyle. I just thought, eh, I don't know. I don't know what this is. It's just something yeah. not human. My wife, yeah. Julia, was on it. She right really? away. Really? She was like, it's a founder. <laughs> we've, we've gone so long without... Like the, the biggest reference to DS9 outside of that lower decks episode was like Cork's bar on a planet, you know, yeah. in Picard season one or something like that, or Discovery. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't remember, but like that was it. And so I'm used to not like I wasn't even thinking DS9. Yeah, you know? yeah. I I think uh, in in my defense defense or my support um, because I just finished watching Prodigy. Towards the end of Prodigy, you see the Defiant. That okay. is not that is a spoiler, but not much of a spoiler. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what you guessed? Did you guess anything in particular? Nope. No? I was not thinking. Yeah. My brain was not <laughs> going. You were on the ride <laughs> sure. with the episode. Yeah. See, my thought was actually lore. Because we know lore is coming. I had seen a promotional image that seemed to look like Brent Spiner in a securities or ops uniform. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh no, Laura's not, he's not helping them. And we had seen in actually in disco, those section 31 masks that look kind of like what the distortion on the face looked like. So that was my guess. Um, but it was very wrong. So let's move along with the plot. So on Metallus prime, Raffi and Worf capture a criminal that they believe is responsible for the attack on the Starfleet Recruitment Center. In what I'm sure was something of a shock for a lot of people, including me, they ultimately discover that he is a changeling, part of a splinter group that has been fighting the Federation since the end of the Dominion War, and realize that the attack was just a distraction from a heist that took place at the Daystrom Institute. And so Daystrom was mentioned, I think, at another point in the episode. So I think that's another thing that made me go to lore because we know that before was there, right? Um, so I just figured, hey, maybe it's possible lore is there too. But now, yeah. you know. Buy, buy one Android, get two. Yeah. The price of one, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Buy one, get one free. Um, you know, the before was on sale too because his neural net isn't as well developed. That's right. But um, – Obviously, the hugeness of this deal cannot be overstated. Uh, The Dominion War is an event that looms large with all of us to one degree or another, even those of us who haven't seen the end of DS9, I know, because we had a little bit of a conversation about, uh, Ty, you know that that the war is coming, you just haven't gotten there yet. So I actually want to begin with you, though. Does this revelation come at a bad time for you, or is it just making you more excited to keep pushing through DS9 or does it come together differently for you? No, it's so awesome. It's like the perfect time. I mean, I watched this within days of, like I mentioned earlier, this, this episode of DS9 that I just watched where it's really like, they've been building up that the Dominion War is coming for like two whole seasons, basically at this point. Uh, But now it's, it's really coming into focus as like, Oh, it's not just kind of this, nebulous entity off in this other quadrant it's like individual like changelings are coming and like infiltrating stuff and like they are a threat you know um and so i think for me the dominion war is something i always knew like it was coming uh it involved this like militarization of starfleet in a different way and like it was pretty serious but that's like kind of all i know and i don't really know anything about how it ends um, and so, yeah, I think for me, like if I was somebody who was really 
frustrated about spoilers and really wanted to keep my ds9 experience pure or something then like it might be a bummer but like this show's 30 years old like you can't you know yeah <laughs> moratorium's off yeah. yeah that's sort of like a counterproductive like you're just asking for it if you are trying to avoid spoilers uh at that point so uh like i'm i'm happy to have like the the context it's a, it's like which one is the context and which one is the main story you know what i mean they both they right. like they're really it, it's like i couldn't have tried to tie this together better you know sure. uh mm-hmm. like on purpose and so it's just been like a really really fun coincidence mm-hmm Excellent. Rachel, the changelings are back. What do you make of that? What was my reaction? Describe for the people my reaction. You audibly gasped. Gasp! It was like, <gasps> like in a way that I don't hear you do very often. Yeah, Chris always complains about how I don't vote. Was it the how long have you been away from the Great Link? Is that Was that the like... Yeah. 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 No, but I mean, she's right. I do complain about the idea that like, she says that she has these big internal reactions, but her face is always just, you know, like she doesn't communicate that in a way that I can perceive, but this time was different. Yes. And then what did I say? Then you begged for, for Cisco. Yes. I want Cisco to show up. (laughs) God damn it. They said there's going to be a surprise person that we don't know who it is. Look, just look at the guy's resume. Proven changeling butt kicker. Yes. Hire the guy. Yep. Yeah. They kind of need him. Well, what do you think about kind of coming back to the threads of the Dominion War at this point? Um, I think it's fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the Odo reference. Yeah. Uh, that really warmed my heart. Yeah. And I think that they're yeah, like, they're an exciting and interesting enemy. Like one of the most interesting in all of Star Trek, one of the very fun villains. And, um, I, so I, yeah, I think it'll, it, it'll be good if it's, if it's written well. Yeah, sure. You know, it's always fun to talk about the Dominion with people who identify as Star Trek fans, but who haven't watched DS9, because there have been more than one instance where I have been asked, well, I mean, is the Dominion as big of a deal as the Borg? Like if it was an (laughs) interstellar war between the Borg and the Dominion, who would win? And people are surprised when I say, I don't know. Uh, Maybe the Dominion. Uh, I mean, it's just like, yeah, the Borg are this monolithic, unstoppable force, but the Dominion have belief that the Borg just don't have access to. And so the idea of like a splinter group from the Great Link is definitely an enticing one to me. Kyle, I'm very curious about what your reaction was to this. Uh, I probably probably said something like, oh, shit. Uh, out loud which is very unlike me um i was very i was flabbergasted and like i hadn't i missed the earlier reference with jack crusher fighting the ensign then it clicked and i was like oh god this is interesting this might be for me the most interesting thing that starship picard has done in terms of connecting to lore and creating a backstory and i'm really very interested more interested than i've ever been in the modern era of trek of seeing where this particular thread goes because the dominion are awesome they're interesting they're like the borg and that they're the perfect 
perfect foil of the Federation in that they uh, are also comprised of many races and right. collecting ideas together through whatever means you need. But like that gives you like real power in this universe. And so yeah. they're the only ones that really, I mean, them and the Borg, I think, as you'll find out, Ty, um, it's a very interesting conflict. And I've got some ideas and theories about who these specific changelings are. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we, we'll, let's save that. Okay. Let's save because, uh, you indicated to me it, it, it's good. Yeah. It's we'll, good. we'll get to that. We will get to that. I promise. Uh, Cicero, the changelings are back. It could be anywhere. How did you react to this? Uh, you know, it's funny. So when in the interrogation, when they do, they have that revelation where, you know, uh, uh, Worf says, you know, how long have you been been away from the link? And like uh Rafi goes crazy. I'm like, yeah, duh, dude, we've known that they're change legs, right? Like as soon as Jack punched the guy in the face and his and his face went all T two E, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a change leg, right? Like, so you didn't you didn't have any like period of maybe a lack of assuredness between the time the punch happened and when Worf confirmed that it was in fact a founder. No. So, all right. So I had about, I had about three seconds of confusion about what it was until after Jack punched him in the face and he did the weird thing, he pushed Jack up against the wall. And once I saw he had like superhuman strength, and his face went like that. I was like, "Oh, he's a changeling, right?" And and he was in that toxic fumes, and he wasn't affected by it, yeah. right? So it was like, "Oh, well, you, you put all of those things together. What species? What you know? What entities do we know? You know, would would qualify? Would fit in that? You know? So guess who? Changeling. And I was like, "Okay, boom, we we got changelings." There we go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there are, there's too many changelings on this starship already. <laughs> I, I really right, right, right. Yeah. to come fix this. Right. I'm tired yeah. of these Monday to Friday changelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I will say uh, too. I mean, the quality of goopiness. Oh God, is certainly improved, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It, yeah, it is like, definitely improved over the last. It looks so meaty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Get there ensign, uh, get get ensign Edward, who worked on the Tribbles, to fry up some changeling. Right? <laughs> right. It tastes like bacon. Yeah, right. I uh, what what I, the 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 question I have about this season of Picard is what is everyone's obsession with vaporizing everything, right? Like all of all, everything is being vaporized into embers right like they everyone's like phaser embers um, well, with the changeling the phaser made sense yes but but like they've been doing like they've we've seen several beings phaser vaporized sure this yeah. season it, well we live in a universe now with pump action phaser right rifles. phasers yes. the, the real problem is is none of these guys know any pig farmers Snatch reference. 
Did you think it was funny that like I thought it was funny like they spent all this time building up like oh Worf is like big on like peace now and then Rafi's like it's getting away and he just immediately like yeah that's what I thought I, too. I thought they were doing like a little old I think there. I think that yeah. is peaceful Worf I just think that's how far yeah. Klingons can take it you know yeah yeah it's like. It's like going to a Florida State game. Like, there's going to be violence. <laughs> I don't care what the university says. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do oh, true enough. Well, um, but what, what fun? I have a fun story oh. about um, yes. the dissolving changeling. So when I was a kid, my I caught an episode of DS9 that my dad was watching, where uh, Odo is like. Uh, they're making him take solid form too much and he's like dissolving and he looks like a Nerf football that's been like <laughs> and like <laughs> it like scared the shit out of me as a kid which this changeling and, didn't have any of that yeah I oh. know and uh, I was thinking actually while I was watching it that I'm like wow this wouldn't have scared me when I was a kid because he looks right. all uh Lifelike. I think that was when uh, someone we know was interrogating him, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes. That sounds about I know right. what you're talking about, if that's why you're uh, being S- oblique about it. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it all happens on a space station. I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> from 30 years ago. Too much. Uh, no, I mean, look, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I... I the the nice thing about it too, you know, it's not what was the the kind of weak continuity callback that we referred to last week that is just kind of there to show that it's there. This was not that. No, this actually had like a real storytelling purpose, and I was rather shocked at the the sense of dread that was amplified by invoking changelings because it just, the whole conflict just moves to a whole other level. It's one thing where it's just designed to call back to something we've seen before. It's a whole other thing when it actually serves to, uh, to, to raise the stakes of the immediate moment. And that's what invoking changelings does. And uh, we haven't seen them in a very long time too. So that can't, be much of a knock against it either you know is comparatively a rather underutilized foe in the star trek universe so i'll be fascinated to see how things progress um well let's move to the final point of the plot back on the titan jack also pegs the saboteur as a changeling and informs seven of the threat on the bridge now convinced by picard's insistence that they fight back Riker fires on the Shrike. Their weapons are redirected back at them with a portal and the Titan sustains heavy damage. Riker blames Picard and orders him off the bridge as they drift towards a gravitational anomaly in the nebula. Well, I mean, compared with everything else that we've talked about, this kind of feels like a little bit of a dud just because it's following up on a contrived conflict that we all weighed in on already. Um, but I do think the show is generally pretty good at uh, at cliffhangers. It was pretty good at cliffhangers in the last one, but now that these episodes are generally better, it hits a little harder. Um, but uh, just final thoughts on on the episode before we uh, we dismiss. Uh, Kyle, why don't you start us off? Uh, I thought this is the best one yet. It's probably the best episode of Star Trek Picard we've seen. We've we've 
and it's not just because we're getting old crew members coming back and interacting with each other, but the quality of letting those characters talk to each other and react to each other. Uh, even with the Riker Picard thing, it feels contrived. Like I feel like season two was moving too fast and shooting too many guns to let us have those moments. And I think that the, there was a balance that needed to be had and like, it makes the action mean something. And in this one, the stakes feel good. They feel interesting. They feel serious. And I, I just, I love having time for the characters to be characters with each other. And I feel like we're getting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well said. Ty, how about you? Uh, I would definitely agree that this was my favorite episode of the season for sure. Um, I still just am not necessarily feeling very drawn or propelled by what are supposed to be the main conflicts. Like, oh, they're hurtling towards this gravity well. Are they going to get saved? I think You've killed might. us all. Uh, and I want, yeah, I wonder if like the real right, like the portal gun was a diversion because the real weapon that they stole was like a beam that they shoot at people that makes them. Uh, become overwhelmed by their own emotions and have stupid arguments with each other um, instead of like working together to get their ship out of this nebula where they're being hunted. I by think a there's baby. a very good reason why he's behaving like that. They just haven't revealed it yet. Hmm. It's changed. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you were like, hey man, your subscription to Paramount Plus is canceled tomorrow and you can't watch the rest of the season, I'd be like, damn deep uh, deep space nine what am i gonna do y- you know i wouldn't be like oh man picard i gotta see what's what's next on picard brutal hey you know is is what it is hey cicero how about you man uh how do you follow that up um <laughs> i enjoyed the episode um i um um I'm I'm along for the ride. They do really good cliffhangers, except guys, we're they're literally on a sinking ship in space. Literally a sinking ship. Um I don't know if that's necessarily a metaphor that you want to use for a show that 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 had lots of promise but has seemed to underwhelm continually. I don't think so far I haven't felt like this this season of Picard has let me down whatsoever. Um and I have plenty of reason to believe that it won't let me down. Um Never going to give you up either. Right. But, uh, but there were moments in this episode and there were actually moments in the last episode where I looked at these things and said they were either lazy or they were, they like the, the, the reason or the reason that we're here wasn't necessary and you know they did it because they wanted to set up these punchlines and they weren't the punchlines weren't worth the the time for delivery and um there are a couple of those things in this episode and a couple of those things in the last episode but i'm still having fun all right very good rachel 
Yeah, I I thought this episode slapped as well. Slapped. Um, <laughs> I, that, that's my metric. Did it slap or not? Yes. Um, yeah, There's I like it. Or discussing. I think most of the most of the slappage was because of the changelings being there. Sure. Um, Best slappage. Like like yes. I said, the the sort of weird arguing was a little bit off putting. Um, and I don't know that the cliffhanger, like I really bought it as a like cliffhanger, like, Oh no, what are they going to do? Um, cause like, obviously they're not, you know, all going to just die in the next episode. He did after they watched it, my parents watched it. My dad said, well, I guess that's the end of the season. And my mom was like, it is. <laughs> so uh that that would be a way to end it It um we got eaten by a space nebula that's true Uh, my dad's standard dad joke was to say i heard this was the last episode about like 38 minutes into each episode when it's like really (laughs) dire you know like right when it hits the commercial break before the resolution And like as a yeah, as a child, I definitely had the same reaction as Rachel. <laughs> that's, that's like intense when you're a kid. And you're actually, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think they're all going to die in the next episode. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, there, there were enough strong character moments between these people that we have such an attachment to um, that it certainly feels like it is attempting to be a better potential send off for everybody at this stage. Uh, Something that these characters have sorely needed now for over 20 years. Um, And it's invoking some of the best that the franchise has ever produced uh, to amp up the stakes of the story it's telling. It's a win in my book. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll certainly see how things progress next time. But um, let's transition over to winding this down a little bit. It's pedantic continuity time. I guess not. No. It, it is a dancey song. There's only a few notes that the fine editors over at Memory Alpha decided to include here. Um, <clears throat> they're also kind of tenuous, but hey, they, they are what they are. Uh, William T. Riker informs Jean-Luc Picard in the flashback that he was told to get down to sick bay by saying, you better get down here. Similar set of words were told to Captain Kirk in Star Trek II and Spock in Star Trek Into Darkness. We can gloss over that second one. Uh, Worf references his old friend Odo and explains that after the Dominion War, a rogue faction of changelings continued to operate against the Federation. This seems like a point, and I, Kyle, I think you alluded to this earlier, uh, this can fuel a lot of other narrative content in the future that could be very fascinating. So I'm glad that this stuff was included here. Um, <clears throat> and then finally, Seven of Nine has a chrome model of the USS Voyager in her quarters. Those are the three points that uh, that Memory Alpha decided to include. But I do want to throw it back to Kyle because he has some uh, very interesting observations from Trexpertise. Right. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> nice. You got to do it. Gotta do you got to do it. 
Um, yeah, so I think Riker is not Riker, man. I think two things are either happening. Uh, one, he's a changeling. It's not out of character for the changelings to do stuff like this. Remember the whole general, how long was General Martok in being impersonated? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I think that's possible, uh, which leads to a much bigger question about why Picard is connected to the this rogue faction of changelings. Like they obviously won him. Why? Um, and I think that it's, for me, the low-hanging fruit here is the 100, the changelings that were sent out to explore. And I wonder if loss have you gotten that far i'm trying not to spoil things man (laughs) you do you you. um it's a character called lost character called udo they disagree about particular very core things about solids and i'm willing to bet that the faction we're talking about now is born somewhere out of that Ooh, and that 100 are involved and we we're seeing this like in the previews this motley crew of like Trek villains like I also wonder like well if it's not strictly changelings if it's like Batman 1966 the movie and we're getting all the villains <laughs> I wonder if this isn't Thomas Riker mm. Ooh. that is something that needs attention it's something that needs attention uh, also during the we haven't even talked about this moment when Jack is nearly out in that room with the gas and he has this vision with seven of nine. And right. Yeah. Something, something follow the branches. What is, it looked a lot like the crystalline entity, but is it changeling related? Uh, is it the mycelium network? Uh, I, some, that whole thing is radically unexplained and is the most unexplainable part of this episode. Like what the hell was going on in that? Is it linear? <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you say that because that reminded me like that. It's kind of like angelic imagery, right? Like uh, that's how I saw it. Like seven, like the branches are sort of behind her, almost like angel wings. And maybe I'm misremembering that, but that to me called back to in discovery with the mm-hmm. red angel. The red which, angel. Which, which your question of, is it linear? <laughs> when you think about it that way it is an interesting one, but yeah. So. Yeah, I so, agree. That was a huge mystery that caught my attention too, Kyle. Uh, what's missing here is um, an explanation, a connection, a connection thread between Vatic, who uh, again is spinning in her chair like your dad did in Star Trek Six, just enjoying <laughs> the moment. Um, Cry havoc! Yeah, you just uh, my friend Jay was like, just imagine what his toes are doing when he's doing that spin. Um, <laughs> The connection between Vatic and the changelings now needs to be explained because they seem to be connected. And and what does it have to do with Picard? Why are they mm-hmm. chasing Picard? Like, wh- what does he have to do with the changelings? And right. my other th- thinking is that Jack Crusher isn't uh, isn't Crusher's son, although she gave birth to him and has probably been with him the entire time or something. But I I wonder if he's one of the one hundred, mm. and the changelings are trying to collect him. That would be cool, I will say. Uh, I hadn't considered that. Um, No, I think that those are all really uh, salient points, and I'll be very fascinated to see 
how things unfold. But I think if anything, it just demonstrates, look, there's enough here to tell a substantive story based on these threads that we know have been hanging in the franchise for a long time. And uh, if you can do that, if you can address some of those things while also telling a story that would be compelling for anybody to see, then that's the best kind of outcome, in my estimation. But um, no, this is how many episodes? How many episodes are in this season? Ten, eight, ten, ten. Ten? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got a few. So, so we got so we got seven seven left. Yeah. yeah. I don't want this to be like Lost. (laughs) They spend a lot of time asking a lot of great questions. And they spend less time answering some of them. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to all end up in a church together. Yeah. A part of me did think that this might be like Picard dying. Like he's an android now. Maybe this is, he's just in his head somewhere and this is what it looks like. I'd be sad you know, if that were the a, case. Well, sure. But you know, it would be a total mind blowing moment is mm-hmm. if we're actually all still in the Nexus. Yes, please. Oh my God. Everyone would be so <laughs> upset. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> Everyone would be so upset. Yeah. yeah. It didn't actually happen. Yeah. Um, there'd be like a continuity slaying. It was like decades of continuity be like wiped out. We need to hack this off. No, no, that was part of the Nexus continuity. That doesn't count. <laughs> Another fracturing of, uh, of, of the, the timelines, of course. No, I, no, I think that the, these are going to be really fun things to see unfold and uh much appreciation of course to our panel and kyle thank you once again for joining us it's much appreciated we are obviously going to be looking forward to uh the way that the rest of the season is going to unfold but that is actually going to do it for episode number 87 of discovery debrief we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please like and follow us on our social media channels and if you'd be so kind we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show wherever you found it it only takes a minute and let us know you wrote one and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted if you have any questions you can follow the show on twitter at dsc debrief and feel free to send us questions through twitter or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us next time as we discuss the next adventure of our friends from the Enterprise D and E. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Hey, I didn't say anything because we were almost out of time, but Chris, I thought it was super interesting. Two weeks ago, you talked about, like, Isha, like, intentionally, like, fucking with Seven and, like, using, like, almost like her dead name. And then they brought that to the surface with uh, Young LaForge. Yeah.
like I, I felt like they made that pretty explicit. Like, yeah, he's being a dick, and like, we're not gonna do that. 